The Rufus Project would like to advise the following podcast contains spoilers for the 1996 movie Mary Riley. If you do not wish to have this movie spoiled, please watch it before listening to the following podcast. Was it a different take on the Jekyll and Hyde story or an attempt for the world record for the worst Irish accent ever? We checked out Mary Riley from 1996 to see if it was redeemable. Were we successful? Find out after the theme. Good to be bad, so bad it's good. What's this movie? Do you think we should? Got bad I love dodgy creatures, but we want to know what the redeeming features. Hello and welcome to the Rufus Project Redeeming Features cast. This time we watched Mary Riley from 1996. I'm your host Trevor Holland and I'm joined by my good friend co-host... Christian Fletcher. Wow, thanks for having me back Trevor. It feels like it's been quite a while. (laughs) I think it's been about a month. Uh, (laughs) We've been busy off... I suppose, in outer space, but I suppose we'll translate that for audiences. We've been involved with B-Movies Live, which for, so for our regular listeners would um, have heard of us mentioned before. So we had a great experience, Trevor, but I suppose it's back to reality now, isn't it? Oh, close as we can get with some of these movies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and I think we're coming back with, with quite a strong one, uh, because uh, Mary Riley was actually a request. Leo got in touch with us on the Facebook page, and I'll I'll just read out his post, if I may. Uh, The movie I would like to see you try to redeem for the show is 1996's period horror flick, Mary Riley, with one of the stars of the film giving a pretty bad Irish accent. Thanks. Well, thanks, Leo. We're going to give it a go. Especially the challenge of, I'd like to see you guys try to redeem this. So, yeah, I, I, I consider taking that a challenge. So, And I think it's good, Trevor, because we're probably going in this, normally one of us is kind of, I don't know, a little bit into the genre or, or something like that, but I think we're going into this completely blind, which is probably probably good for our redeeming features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had never heard of this movie before, so uh, like, I, I do really appreciate finding something new. Uh, and something different to check out. So, uh, again, thanks, Leo. Much appreciated. Let's see if we can rise to that challenge. Do you think we can do it, Christian? I don't know. Let, let's see what... <laughs> see where it takes <laughs> Period us. horror... Sorry, period horror drama. You kind of lost me at all that. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's going to be a few things to say about this. <laughs> I, I think so. But before we, we get into that, we, we should start off with our turkey trivia. Now, this movie uh, ranked a surprising 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. The budget was $47 million and its worldwide gross was about $12.3 million. So, conclusively, we can say that this one bombed at the box office. Especially if we use the old rule, Trevor, budget is technically times by two once you include marketing. So, yeah, that's a big bomb and a big loss for, I believe... No, I was going to say um, Warner Brothers, but um, Columbia TriStar, I believe, released it. So, yeah, not a not a very good feather in their cap. Mm, and and when you consider some of the cast, I mean, we we had Julia Roberts in this, John Malkovich, uh, Glenn Close, and and Glenn Close coming off apparently having done Dangerous Liaisons with the director, I believe. So she was, you know, and she's always such a great character actress. She was very much doing her typical scene chewing, (laughs) you know, as the character. But, you know, it was more a cameo in many ways. Yeah, I feel like I think, yeah, featuring as a particular character, but we'll certainly touch on that later. Uh, Now, I did dig up a a bit of trivia about this. Apparently, uh, John Milkovich, who plays Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, as this is a fresh take on the Jekyll and Hyde story, previously appeared in the movie The Object of Beauty, in which his character complains of too many film adaptations of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he pretty much does this in his next film, is that correct? <laughs> uh, well, the, that one was in 1991, so I think he had a couple in between. Oh, okay. If but so, I thought that, that was quite a, quite a good one. Talk about life imitating art there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And apparently, uh, considering I think they were meant to have a bit of a 
you know, a romance thing going, but uh, Julia Roberts and John Malkovich apparently didn't get along during the filming of this movie. And it's, it's pretty obvious, though. When I say obvious, I mean, they seem the two most unlikely leads, even, you know, knowing that they were the two leads. But then even seeing their name one after another on the credits just seems so out of place. So I, I suppose it seems almost fitting that they um, they didn't actually get along. And uh, I, I know sometimes you wonder about where the budget goes. I've got a couple of things about that for you, if, you, if you're interested. Apparently, Julia Roberts beat Uma Thurman to the lead role and got a $10 million paycheck for doing it. And as part of a contract, yeah, part of a contract while shooting in London, uh, she also had a jet on standby round the clock just in case she wanted to return to Los Angeles. And that apparently cost the uh, the production uh, about $120,000. Oh, my gosh. So that's, a, that's an easy way to see why the um, the budget inflated somewhat. Because I always, you know, because I considered this sort of, you know, not, not like I'm, I suppose, a Julia Roberts fan, but, you know, sort of, I even had to Wikipedia this. But, yeah, it was really that interesting phase sort of before, I think she did sort of Best Friend's Wedding and sort of after Pretty Woman and some of those other films. She was going through kind of that awkward phase with the film choices. So this almost seemed quite fitting for that period. Yeah, I think she probably wanted to uh, get away from, from the romantic comedy style of stuff and... Uh came to came to Mary Riley. Came, came to this with the the accented period drama, but anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so, so yeah, so tack it, tackle it she did, but yeah, obviously we will touch on that. Absolutely. So for those who, who want to know a little bit about the movie itself, uh, essentially, um, Mary Riley is the tale of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde as seen through the eyes of Dr. Jekyll's housemaid Mary Riley. And I believe based on a novel which is then been is this a fictionalized thing based off that? I don't I, yeah, not I'm not, you know, not very knowledgeable of the um Jekyll and Hyde story, but is this completely a, a, an extra thing that this um author has made up? Well, yeah, I would well obviously Jekyll and Hyde Jekyll and Hyde is meant to be based yeah, around a, 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 a person who was like a scientist by day and a burglar by night who got up to no good. Um, of course, yeah. a, a fictionalised version of that. So, yeah, this was um, the author trying to be through a different angle of someone who's observing, um, I guess, what's going on and trying to work out what's going on uh, from quite close to the main characters. So... Yeah, I mean, I can see the the point of trying to do something like this, trying to bring a fresh take on on the story. Uh, whether it succeeds, or I guess that's something we can uh, we can talk about as the podcast progresses. Yeah. And you know, not like, like as you said, you hadn't heard of the film. I had, you know, I vaguely had remembered hearing about it, and it was very much a sleeper, not a sleeper hit. Sorry, a, a movie that sort of came and went. And then you know, I do remember the, you know, that imagery, but it definitely doesn't give the feeling that it's going to be the film that it is, which would have gone a lot against it. People would have thought it was literally just going to be the period drama, not necessarily have, having that Jekyll and Hyde um, side to it, which I think would have, yeah, as I said, been a big. Um, big issue with the box office because it was totally not what I expected. Yeah, I kind of expected it the other way um, as like a, a Jekyll and Hyde slightly psychological horror thing, but it had a lot of that uh, that period drama thrown in there as well. So again, something to, to discuss I think a bit later on because we need to establish yeah. Yeah, we need to establish our base point, Christian. We, we need to work yeah. out what we're working <laughs> from. Uh, before we can work out what we're working to. So, as usual, I've had a dig through the reviews on Amazon, and I think I found one which I think helps us uh, get the ball rolling. Oh, great. There's always one there for us. (laughs) Absolutely. So, uh, the title of this review is, If Negative Stars Were a Rating Option, I Would Use Them. This movie had an interesting idea going for it in the beginning, but the bad acting, bad script, Bad lighting and horrible accents killed it. I feel I lost brain cells just watching it. The only scary or disturbing part was Malkovich's face, which hardly ever changed into a believable believable expression. Robert's accent changed from scene to scene with upsetting regularity, which was extremely disappointing. If the point of the movie was to show how misunderstood Jekyll and Hyde may have been, it did a thoroughly awful job. I would recommend a root canal over this movie, as it may be less painful. One star. <laughs> so definitely not a fan there. But 
Uh, as with most of these one-star reviews, Trevor, I'm finding myself nodding at a lot of aspects. So uh, I'm glad he brought up a couple of things that we will will touch on. So yeah, it can only go up or down from here. Yeah, or sideways. Who knows? <laughs> Let's find <laughs> out. Uh, now, yes. yeah. As is my want, before I started watching the movie, I took a little peek at the running time and the good old sigh of relief is now a thing. If a movie is less than two hours, I'm automatically feeling a bit more inclined towards <laughs> it. It's a bit of a worry when I look at my list, Trevor, of ones coming up and I go, oh gosh, there's so many two-hour ones, but I'm holding off out of consideration for you. So <laughs> they, will, they will have to creep in eventually, though. So I know. Heads up. <laughs> I know, you can't avoid them. Um... <laughs> but yes, I must admit the um, the running time was quite... Um, yeah, quite, quite a, a favourable thing and probably one one redeeming feature in this respect. But um, but yeah, I still felt that you know, obviously not revealing too much, but it still managed to wear out its running time, um, quite uh, quite sufficiently, <laughs> perhaps. And uh, I tell you what, uh, you know, Julia Roberts, um, you know, had was quite a popular actress at the time with uh, a few uh, more glamorous and and lively roles under her belt, but um. I, I don't think this was probably the most glamorous introduction to the character, the the slow zoom in through a foggy street of her, um, from behind, uh, bent over scrubbing a step in the street. It's like, that's uh, that's a way to start a movie. <laughs> um, but then it didn't really ever lift up from there. Like, you know, the, 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 the reviewer you mentioned before said the whole, you know, the bad lighting and all that. It seemed to be that sort of set the standard for the how the film was going to be lit for the rest of the film or this kind of, you know, very, uh, you know, I suppose this period drama thriller sort of style. But, yeah, not a very glamorous way of opening. But maybe this is, you know, as you said, going against all these glamorous roles. She's just done, you know, the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know we've mentioned the accent uh, a, a couple of times, um, but that, that very first line of dialogue, I will openly admit I had to pause the movie because I nearly fell off my chair. Um, I, I knew how bad the accent was from the trailer, but the trailer didn't do it justice. Uh, I mean, uh, John Malkovich walks up and goes, Mary Riley, you're up early. And uh, she replies with, and I'll try to get the inflection right here, I didn't want to get behind. I just, I had tears. I had tears rolling out of my eyes. I I was just not expecting it to be that bad that soon. I, like I said, yeah, I, I had to pause the movie and explain to people, and they came in wondering what I was laughing so hard at. Ah, uh, that's so Oh, but but then you know, in her defence, I did. I don't know if it. I, I'm thinking either got better or I just must have got used to it. I think it's the fact I got used to it. But it didn't seem to annoy me as much as it did. Yeah, in those earlier scenes, because it was such a talked up part of of being such a bad part about the movie. But yeah, it was like she's going, okay, get away from the most glamorous role and something that's going to challenge me by giving me an accent. So I, I think it might have been probably a. Definitely a step in the wrong direction, but probably something a bit too um, far for her to have reached at that stage in her career. Yeah. And to try to attempt something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and she's so serious and stone-faced throughout, and obviously wants you to take her seriously. But uh, but it's a bit difficult with, A, that accent. Um, she seems to have a hand in every single job in this in the house of Dr. Jekyll as, as, as the, one of the maids. And um, I think there's one point where she's got to retrieve an eel or something, and she's holding this obviously fake eel, and she's just waving it around in the air like the eel's struggling. And again, that was another point where I, uh, shall I say, um, laughed at something I wasn't meant to laugh at. Oh, but then on the subject of the eel, God, the, the whole killing of the eel and the peeling of it and everything like that, that was a bit full on, wasn't it? It kind of gave me something, I actually gave the movie a bit of a jolt that I, I think it actually needed. I think I even had to turn away at one point. So, um, you know, but I um, I think it was around there that it sort of, it sort of the penny started to drop that, oh, I don't think this is a period drama. This is, might actually end up being a kind of a thriller. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it gets us, let's just see that Mary is quite Squeamish, um, even though like she's very pale throughout the movie, but the uh, the the cook 
assuming she's a cook or the head housekeeper or whatever, is, oh, Maddie, you're as white as a sheet. I mean, she could actually do a decent role of accent, so Julia should have taken notes from her. Um, you played the role. <laughs> you do it even better than she did. <laughs> My Irish accent is so-so. I will happily admit it, but compared to, to Julia Roberts... <laughs> I, I, I'm virtually speaking like a native with that, what I just did just said. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yeah, so you've got, so the, yeah, so the cook kept, when she comes, yeah, you're as white as a sheet. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where we're getting out with that. <laughs> Even that was better than Julia, Christian. Good job. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the whole montage at the start of the movie with uh, with life for the servants and the maids and the butlers and everything, it goes on for, for quite some time, and uh, I'm not too sure what the role was, if it was a footman or something, there's there's one guy in there um, who, who appears and has a few lines throughout, but when you first see him, he, like, hands Mary something, and then he, like, flicks his hair and just like deliberately make sure that the camera gets the best angle of his face as possible in this one little short scene. Okay, yeah, there's some real professionals in involved in this one. <laughs> it's like they're doing whatever they can to redeem the film from being this plotting sort of yeah, a dark film that, you know, not really not much is really happening, especially at this stage. But then he's probably also, too, like, I'm not in that many scenes. I'm going to make, you know, talk this up. Because our leading lady definitely isn't holding it together. And she's, when you think about it, too, um, Julia Roberts was pretty much in every scene of that film. Um, it was like, you know, or every shot of that film. So it was, um, actually not every shot, sorry, every scene of that film, yeah. So, um, yeah, so having to, to sort of um, see her do that plus, you know, get through the accent. But as I said, it seemed to get better, but I think I was just getting used to it. Or maybe they did film the film actually in order and she did improve with time. Potentially. I'll, I'll come back to that a bit later on <laughs> um, with regards to um, a, another interesting scene that... Uh, that um, Julia may have gone a bit overboard with the accent, but that's much further down the track. <laughs> um, and uh, But also, when you look at Julia's performance and then John Malkovich comes along, um, I'm not too sure what he was going for, but to say that he delivers um, rather flat is probably still generous because a, a lot of his stuff as Dr. Jekyll is, is almost a monotone and no attempt at an but then, you, but then you also too like as you were saying that I was thinking oh but then you do think about other sort of roles that John Malkovich plays and that's always the sort of character not the character that's probably the, it's very much the delivery that he tends to use with a lot of his roles so it felt like he was in many ways just playing a character that he plays in many other films but just was embellishing these little yeah, these differences within the characters as well, you know, the, the Hyde and the Jekyll. Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking that maybe um, it was the case that he couldn't be too expressive because uh, the, the beard he was wearing may not have been too secure, so he had to deliver it in a very straight-faced monotone. <laughs> Maybe he was hiding his disgust from at uh, Julia Roberts because, as we said, they didn't get along too well. Or and maybe it was like, and, and it's funny, like when we, when we think about the fact that they didn't get along, they do feel like they don't have that any sort of leading chemistry. You know, that there are like they're playing in their own separate film, <laughs> mm. so you know, it, it kind of seems like you can sort of see that, yeah, the tension between them. You know, yeah, it's quite quite obvious. Yeah, I mean, uh, they do try to shoehorn in. I think some sort of romantic interest, but you mainly see that due to comments from other characters, uh, you know, talking, or particularly from from when we do have Hyde talking to Mary Riley and talking about how um, how how Jekyll can't really express his feelings towards her and how how he really is very fond of her. If it wasn't for for things like that and and other comments from from the other other servants, you really would be hard pressed trying to to see a uh, a romantic angle with the uh, with the dynamic between Mary and Jekyll and even Mary and Hyde. I think they've probably put a bit of bit of that in there as well. Yeah, but that one definitely felt like because I might be getting no, I'm not getting mixed up. But yeah, Hyde was the more flirty sort of one, whereas the um. 
um, Jekyll was more the yeah the one sort of yeah the more the doctor that was more interested sort of in her past and and all that kind of stuff. But I was quite as I said to having said earlier thinking it was just going to be a period drama. It was really good when I think it was that shot where that you first see the H and the J on the hanky. That was when the sort of penny dropped and went ah oh, that's right this is a Jekyll and Hyde themed um, movie. So yeah kind of things kind of. I, th- I think I sort of let my guard down a little bit then, and, and sort of was willing to buy into it a bit. But um, but yeah, in terms of John Malkovich, he was definitely I don't know, and I think also probably Julia Roberts. They were they were trying their hardest probably to go for an Academy Award. I think <laughs> in the roles that they were trying, they were playing. Yeah, well, I mean, I I didn't feel that John Malkovich was really trying much at all when when he was playing off Julia Roberts because um, I'm guessing he was probably just keen to get the scene over and get out of the room. Yeah, into a separate trailer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I don't. I, I a lot of times I tend to write down a lot of quotes that I hear, but it wasn't as many in this. But there's a couple of times, you know, he'd say little things like, you know, what stops me from killing you now? You know, literally in that sort of delivery, and you know, uh, it represents a fracture of my soul. And it just felt like he was trying to spit out all this thing, like he was in some sort of Shakespearean play on stage. I don't know what it was, but but as I did say earlier, you know, it, it does seem very much a um, a common theme in John Malkovich's delivery. He sort of does to play play a lot of these sort of um, one tone characters. Well, he did he did get a bit more expression as Hyde because essentially the the difference between Jekyll and Hyde is uh, Jekyll wears a grey beard and has grey hair, whereas Hyde, also played by John Malkovich, clean shaven, dark hair. So uh, I'm thinking again with that prosthetic the prosthetic makeup and aging makeup, he didn't need to worry about that cracking by by showing a bit more expression as Hyde. <laughs> And I suppose it's probably a good way to be able to sort of um, yeah differentiate the characters by having yeah having a toned down one and then an, an, a bit of an over over the top one. So yeah, I can see why they did it. Uh, I think it was only because as Jekyll he was so flat that I noticed a slightly more expressive performance as Hyde because he doesn't really step that much further up. But then yeah, I did also still notice that yeah you were always happier that Hyde was on the screen than Jekyll because in comparison yeah he was a bit more enjoyable to watch, but not that much more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hyde, Hyde had a little extra something going for him, which I, I guess is the point of Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, is, is Hyde is, uh, is all those things that Jekyll can't express, and, you know, Jekyll's dark side, I suppose, if, if you know the, the Jekyll and Hyde story, so... I was going to say, I wish I knew the the story more so that I could have gone into this sort of, yeah, not feeling so lost, but, you know, obviously, I, you know, I, got, I got the general sort of, um, um, you know, gist of it all. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and like when when Hyde started coming in there and and they gave him a a bit of a limp and stuff like that, I I thought it was going to tie in more with these flashbacks that Julia Roberts or Mary Rowley had to her childhood with a, a a very very unpleasant father who did some very nasty things to her. her like uh, is introduced because Doctor Jekyll wants to examine the scars on Mary Rowley and, and asks how she got them. And and there's these flashbacks to to her childhood, and she has nightmares about it, and she wakes up, you know, and the maid she shares a bed with just keeps on sleeping because she apparently is a really deep sleeper. That other maid, <laughs> or maybe she does it all the time, so she's just so used to her doing it. <laughs> like, oh, here she goes again. I'll just stay asleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and there's even a, a a subplot with regards to uh, Julia Roberts' mother dying and being her body being kept in rather unfortunate uh, and unsavory and squalid um, conditions which I guess was kind of uh, the period drama side of things but then like all this was set up and they focused so much on this I kind of felt that there would be more with regards to something nasty happening to her father rather than just her father turning up offering to pay for son of the month's funeral and Julia Roberts walking away um, there actually seemed very little to do to do with those flashbacks. Aside from obviously throwing in a bit more drama and a bit more tension in the movie, there there seemed very little point to them. Oh yeah, and it was it was like um they were mainly doing all this to sort of just set up the whole fact that um, Mary was very much this timid person. 
because of you know her, you know sort of her abusive childhood and things like that. But even though obviously something like that can be hit home, you know, quite easily without having to set it up the whole time. But then you've also got the tie-in of John Malkovich being fascinated by the scars, as you said. So yeah, all of this being linked to the father, and then that last scene being something that just sort of comes and goes like, oh, whoops, we forgot to write something for this. But yeah, so it did feel very, very strange. Consider- yeah, it didn't, but as I said, it just was trying to set up so much that why she was such a timid character. But yeah, we get the message. And then they keep giving us a message more and more and more, which is, yeah, not a fun way to spend a movie, in, in my opinion. But <laughs> yeah, let's move on from that one. But hey? I- yeah, I think I was more creeped out, though, when Hyde decided to start um, licking and caressing the scars. That was probably more the weird thing to me. That was a bit odd, but anyway, <laughs> I um, I know by that stage everything was going a bit strange, so I know we're going towards the end of the movie there, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Story yes. wine. So, um, I guess, uh, because, I mean, one of the reasons this fits so well under the Redeeming Features banner is, is because of those big-name stars in there and that, that big budget obviously going toward these stars. And, and yeah, you mentioned again before Glenn Close coming in and playing a rather over-the-top character, chewing a bit of scenery. She she does that quite well in this movie. Mind you, I barely recognised her under the the excessive white face makeup and the massive lipstick. I know, as if she wasn't already so white anyway, like in her look. But, um, yeah, it was almost like, um, you know, even though we did say she was very, you know, um, scene-stealing, I still felt like she could have been used in the film a lot more. I kind of almost welcomed her to come back in the film again just to give it that kind of spark or even some sense of colour. Mm, and and it didn't really establish too well, again, a few little hints in the way that, that she was this, this madame of a brothel keeping Jekyll's secret of what Hyde is really up to and and even to the point where she she comes demanding more money and, and meets a rather grisly end at Hyde's hand. Um I kind of pieced together later that she was being paid off, even though there was a very blatant thing where Mary Riley finds Dr. Jekyll's checkbook and there's a stub there and all that's written on the stub is blood money which I should have really realised at the time, uh, was very blatant in its references to what he was paying her for. Yeah. Oh, no. But, yeah, that almost seemed like another subplot that was just sort of... Well, I, I don't know if she's a character in the original Jekyll and Hyde story that must be a... Yeah, she must be a relevant character in the story. So, you know, but it did sort of feel like that was another sort of plot that didn't really go too much further. But, as we said... She was covering up all the, um, you know, all the, all the the hired action. It's, um, you know, I can see her presence being worthwhile. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I did actually enjoy it when she turned up because I thought that that she was actually um, putting some effort into into her performance rather than into a dodgy accent. Hello, Julia. Yeah, and she didn't have to contend with the fact she didn't like her co-star, so... Yeah, no, I think she was uh, she was there for the paycheck and she was happy to get it, so she was just having a good time. But yeah, so but it, it definitely, um, you know, just a couple of little things about it was um, it was really interesting, um, you know, with the whole, I suppose, if you want to look at schizophrenia or, you know, the whole Jekyll and Hyde thing, if it fits under that, it's really interesting to sort of touch on sort of an outsider's view of someone dealing with this sort of stuff, because that's what it felt like the message they were trying to get across, you know, especially in sort of the first half of the film, you know, and seeing sort of, I don't know, and she was a sort of the only one that he would trust, sort of, and she'd end up sort of, they'd get closer and closer and she'd start covering up all these things, you know, there, there was a the thing about the the garden that she um, ended up saying she was going to make outside and I'm surprised that she actually started doing it, but um, yeah, we, we sort of start, started to see them get a lot closer, but yeah, no, I thought it was an interesting take on the, yeah, the, the, an outsider's view of schizophrenia or, or things like that, but mm. maybe that's me just overanalyzing it. No, no, that's fine, because the, the, the Jekyll and Hyde is, is um, an allegory uh, to, to schizophrenia and multiple personalities at its core anyway, uh, but you, you mentioned there with, with Jekyll and Hyde, and as we say, it's, it's both played by Malkovich, um, I mean, there's just the fact that no one seems to notice the similarity except this one footman who thinks that Hyde might be like an illegitimate son of Jekyll because they look a bit the same, don't they? Hey? 
Hey? Oh my god, I can't <laughs> believe that. It's like they just had to, they had to mention that in there, and you're just like going, yeah, I think people would have picked it up by now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then later on, when um, when Mary Riley is tail is like she she follows Hyde through this series of rooms and across this very unsafe looking walkway suspended by chains in in the middle of a very big room, and then runs back and 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 hides when when Hyde turns around. But when she then meets up with Jekyll, she kind of fails to notice that they were wearing the same clothes. <laughs> I know. It's just like so many of that sort of, that's so many of the whole, yeah, the Jekyll and Hyde crossover thing just didn't really work in terms of, are you stupid people? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, and actually I've got to admit that again, I think sometimes the fact that we do Rocky in the AP thing comes out, and I can't remember if it was Jekyll or Hyde asking Mary Riley what she was afraid of, and you know, are you afraid of this, you're afraid of that, and I just saying, what else are you afraid of, a decent accent? And I couldn't help myself. <laughs> hey, it obviously needed it at the time. <laughs> this was also shortly before I finally gave in for my first How Long Has This Got To Go check, uh, which came in at about 46 minutes, I'll just say. Oh, so, yeah, God, you did better than me. I did check at 28. <laughs> so I was just like, it's still got an hour to go. Okay, I can do this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you did well. I didn't think I was going to be able to, but we managed to get through. But, yeah, I did feel it was... Uh, even though we said it's under two hours, so it shouldn't be as bad, but it still did feel quite long and, and tedious and just lacking that kind of punch and the, those sort of action scenes that you really wanted. And, and any kind of action it did have was right at the end with, with all the what, the chest bursting and all that kind of stuff. You know, it was like that was sort of... Yeah, it wasn't even a climax that was kind of that was worthy of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think there was only it was a very talky movie. Let's put it that way, and, and I think they were trying to build a mystery around these these scenes of dialogue, which which probably would have helped, which probably would have been improved if the the two leads, you know, actually got on with each other and had some sort of chemistry. Uh, but I think there's a point, um, I, I wasn't going to look at the time check, but when, when we actually do get to have a little flash of, of Hyde actually killing a, a, a prominent person, rather than just seeing the after effects of her, of him, his other activities, is like, that, you know, that was quite an action, you know, chase through the streets, and he comes across Mary Riley, and hides behind her skirts so the police don't see him, which again, just tells me that the police are about as observant as the uh, as the servants when it comes to spotting who Hyde is, and then just goes back to talking, talking, talking again until that that final transformation scene. Oh, I know, and it's just like, oh god, you could have even, you probably could have trimmed fifteen or minutes or more off this and made it. I don't know, but then I think it even still would have that slow plotting feel about it. <laughs> what was it? I think the point where I think Mary started suspecting the truth because during the movie at one point. Edward Hyde breaks a cup in his hand and is bleeding, and then which they use to effect by making him leave a bloody handprint on on Mary Riley's face because you know let's just be creepy for the sake of being creepy. Uh, but then later on, when she's with Henry Jekyll, and you mentioned the monogrammed H.J. handkerchief, and you see that you see that Henry Jekyll has a wound on his hand, and he's actually dabbing it with a E.H. handkerchief. So it's like. Yeah, that's really subtle, guys. Just you know, we 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 know. You could have just left, you could have just left it at the at the e, the H J thing. That was fine. You didn't have to do a second one. I even thought that was weird too. Yeah, the fact that they both got a sizable hole in their hand, the same hand, um, probably was enough. You didn't need to make Henry Henry Jekyll use Edward Hyde's handkerchief to to dab. <laughs> yeah, no, that's funny. Oh boy. You mentioned earlier the the Julie Robert accent tends to come down from whatever heights it's reaching for for a while, at least until the point where she discovers Hyde in Jekyll's bed instead of Jekyll when when she comes to serve breakfast and she starts heading towards the door and she goes, "Oh, where are you going, Mary?" And I don't know why she would tell him she was going to do this, but the fact that the the big accent comes back again. He goes, I'm going to raise the alarm. 
it's like there's there's no e in alarm, Julia, even in an Irish maybe, accent. Stop putting vowels in where they don't belong. It doesn't work. Maybe she recorded. Well, I recorded that scene and the first scene in the same day or something like that. So she was still learning the ropes. It was early, back in the early stage of the shoot. I don't know. <laughs> and, and then, then yep, yeah, and Hyde stops her escaping and then conveniently explains how the whole transformation thing works in, in quite a bit of detail <laughs> to her before she he lets her go outside for some reason. Yeah, to that's... get some more medicine, that's right. <laughs> yeah, to get, the, to get the medicine to help with the, the changeover. Oh, that's right, because she comes back and, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, by this stage, I'm like going, yeah, whatever, <laughs> in the movie. But also, I think that's probably the time when I finally actually kind of liked what she was doing as as Mary Riley, because at that point, she really takes charge, like the, the head the head butler or the head of the, the house staff, you know, is quite bossy and quite demeaning to her through the entire movie, which, again, made me thought that he would, get something that has to happen to him at some point. He doesn't. Uh, but, you know, she comes down and she just immediately takes charge and he just backs off. And it's just like, you know what, I can actually, you know, that, that's finally something that I, I felt had a bit of meat, but if it happened, it was happening very, very late in the movie, you know, that sat through a lot of very meek Mary Riley, which doesn't really make for compelling viewing. Oh, definitely. Like, and not knowing sort of um, the book, I'm not talking about the Jekyll and Hyde book, but the actual Mary Riley novel, I'm assuming they've followed it quite similarly, but I'd like to think it's probably a bit more exciting than this film, but I don't know. But it, it's like a lot, maybe more of these subplots are, um, you know, especially the ones with the father and stuff like that, are actually developed a bit more. We just don't see it. Maybe there's a director's cut on the way, but oh God, I hope not. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah. You do wonder um, how much of this was translated, you know, over from the book. Yeah, yeah. This movie is not allowed to go more than two hours. Okay, it's, it's, uh, it's no a, way. It's against the rules. I don't know what these rules are, but damn it, that can be one of them. Yeah, <laughs> it was long enough as it was. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we we talked about the I suppose the finale before, and of course, um, Mary goes alone into the lab at night, ooh, drama, 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 and <laughs> finds Hyde, who proceeds to throw her in the lab a bit, and then just goes, Why, what stops me from killing you? And it's like, oh, Jekyll's <laughs> feelings stop Hyde from killing her. Oh, look, there was romance there that we saw pretty much zero of throughout the entire movie. Yeah, they probably just felt because it was a Hollywood film, they have to go and give it some kind of romance, even if it's only very, very thin. <laughs> And uh, and it's also before we finally get to see the transformation taking place, which, you know, I was actually quite impressed, for, impressed with um, for a, a movie from 96 uh, when they showed Hyde transforming back to Jekyll. Yeah, it was pretty creepy. It kind of ranked up there with that eel scene <laughs> yeah. that I mentioned earlier. But yeah, it was, you know, the, the, I can sort of see where this whole angle of the whole period horror would come through. Like that, yeah, it was very David Cronenberg. It was, yeah, it was very, yeah, it was very well done. And yeah, as you said, for 996, it was, um, you know, extremely well done. And, um, and yeah, well, we find out that Jekyll deliberately poisoned his formula and Mary lies down with him after he dies and then we come back later and in death he's turned back to hide for some reason and mary goes off into the mist and that and is it yeah that's it I knew when we were watching the end credits all the way through that there wouldn't be a stinger or even a blooper reel but it might have even lightened up the movie somewhat (laughs) yeah yeah and um yeah I found myself thinking well that movie pretty much gave us nothing but uh, I think I'm I'm jumping ahead there yeah definitely I, I, I think um, we were glad for the movie to be over let's just say that mm-hmm so um so uh, Christian I guess we probably should move on to those features redeeming or otherwise so um I think uh, coming back I'll, I'll let you go first Christian were there any redeeming features and, and do you think this movie was redeemable Oh, Trevor, always such a hard question to answer, and it's always one of those things where I feel like I need to. I feel like these these films need to need to be loved in some respect. But but look, uh, you know, as I said earlier, 
you'd lost me at period drama when I originally went into this, but then when I saw that it was going to become a thriller or, or a Jekyll and Hyde story, I, you know, it piqued my interest somewhat. And I was surprised that it, it had that kind of, you know, that real Victorian Gothic sort of feel. And, and when I saw that someone like um, Tim Burton or Roman Polanski was originally going to direct the film, I thought, ooh, that could have been something that, that would have worked a lot more, you know, in its style. Or, but obviously, we still couldn't get around the accent and, and some of the acting. But it, um, and it was a different movie to what I expected, but um, way too long too slow and I think it was one of the reviews I read that was quite unanimous in the with, with the critics was um, it was just verging on boredom and I, I tend to agree it felt a lot more like even though they were both as I said earlier standing in, in you know they feel like they're both in their own separate movie Julia Roberts and John Malkovich it felt like it was very much John Malkovich using this as a chance to showcase his acting talents but not really giving us much anyway so I uh, it, it could have been just so much better, and I, and I don't know if it was a combination of the story or, or the screenplay or the acting or everything, but poor, or poorly lit scenes, it, it just felt like one constant, I don't know, badly lit telly movie the entire way through that you just want it to be finished. Not my cup of tea at all. And Trevor, yeah, I'm actually, really, you know, aside from those couple of redeeming features that I mentioned, with the, actually, I can't even remember what they were. They were that, that, um, <laughs> <laughs> that fantastic. Um, I, I'm going to have to say, Trevor. It, yeah, it, there's no redeeming features from me. That like, yeah, I can't redeem this film. I think it's, yeah, I, I, yeah, I can't redeem it whatsoever. Okay, well, um, we uh, we may have to uh, we may have to admit defeat on Leah's challenge. Let's put it that way. Because um, oh, look, when when this movie started, I'll admit it, I really did get a good laugh the first time I heard Julia Roberts attempt at an Irish accent. Um, I don't know what Glenn Close was channeling with her performance, but she gave it her all and she certainly did try. Uh, I know you mentioned, you know, John Malkovich as a whole doesn't tend to do um, particularly vibrant performances, but I, I really feel that that between um, the very minor differences between Jekyll and Hyde and and the... It wasn't just a John Malkovich performance, it was flat. I don't think he really was trying or even caring. Uh, even though uh, another moment I was entertained by is when Julia was confronting him and, and he was starting to let some of the secrets slip. Instead of talking to Julia about it, he looked off and he told his horrible secrets to a wall. And that happened like two or three times and uh, just again <laughs> I found that quite amusing just well it's going to be hard to hide this one he was quite high profile and not like the others staring at the wall it's like <laughs> that is looks ridiculous and I do find that amusing <laughs> um, but yeah, so little happened in this movie. The the whole thing with the childhood and the father had absolutely no relevance until after her mother died, and that basically had no relevance. Pretty much nothing happens in this movie until Hyde, heard, Hyde murders the politician who we had briefly met as a client of the brothel, but suddenly he's actually quite a regular guest at the house of Dr. Jekyll, but he hadn't visited since Mary Riley started. Well, that was a convenient plot point that could have been explained earlier <laughs> to actually give some more significance mm. to seeing him being murdered. Uh, that accent. My God, that accent. You said you got <laughs> used to it, you got to accept it. I didn't. I, I think I actually stopped really enjoying the movie in any way when I could no longer laugh at that accent, which I'm, I'm thinking is about that 40 minutes in where I had to look at the time. How no one could have taken to one side and, and said something, I do not know. Uh, maybe she thought she had to make up for John Malkovich, who uh, appeared, to, as I said, to give absolutely zero concern for this movie. I mean, he wasn't Ben Kingsley in Blood Rain, not giving a single hoot bad, but he's definitely on that scale. Uh, I, like I said, I didn't even make it halfway through before I had to check how long it had to, had to go, um, and seeing there was still an hour, my disappointment with the tribe increased and just kept going from there. Uh, so if with its terrible acting, its relevant side plots, uh, together with the fact that the main story pretty much didn't have a plot, and ultimately it was that grand 
grand problem with a lot of these movies in that it was just a completely boring experience getting through this movie. So, safe to say, not redeemable. And we shall consign this one back to the archives from whence it came. Yeah, and actually, well, it's occurred to me, yeah, it's been 20 years since, oh, what's it, yeah, 20 years since this came out, and it's probably best staying in that vault. <laughs> mm-hmm. There we go. But I, I think, so yeah, we, we did, we, we took Leo up on his challenge, but yeah, he did say good luck redeeming this one, guys, meaning it was going to be a hard one, and yeah, you got us there. <laughs> Yep, yep, Leah, this is uh, this is completely irredeemable, or is it? Now, I've also got an extra yep. opinion on this one before we move on to our, our uh, favourable review. Um, I did put the call out uh, on Facebook, and I got a response from Dee, who said, and I quote, I've always had a thing for John Malkovich, so I was a bit distracted by him being all sexual. I liked it, but it was a bit too, too romantic to do the Jekyll and Hyde story justice. Julia Roberts was not well cast either. Demure and understated are not her strengths. So, yeah, it's kind of a middle-of-the-road uh, opinion, I suppose, from Dee, so thank yeah. you very much for that. Yeah, thanks, Dee. And it seems like it's, um, yeah, it seems like a lot of people had the same sort of opinion of the film, even though I, yeah, I'm not seeing it in a um, John Malkovich sexual sort of way, but <laughs> I, uh, it sounds like everyone's opinions, at least of, of Julia Roberts, is, is unanimous. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so, ooh, it's a hard one, that one. Mm-hmm. Or are they Christian? Oh, God, this... Trevor, I, 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 I'm, I, I must admit, you this, you must be hard-pressed to having found a good review for this film. That would have been a challenge. Well, let's just say... There are fans in this movie, and there were quite a few five-star reviews for it, as puzzling as that may seem. This review, the title is Dark Atmosphere in This Chilling Little Story. This movie is so, so creepy and gothic and weird, without being too bloody or too gratuitous. It's silently creepy and disturbing, that's its power. I didn't buy the Jekyll and Hyde being two different guys, because anybody with half a mind can see it's Malkovich in both roles, so I find it hard to believe that Mary Riley and others wouldn't recognise that. They should have disguised him better, not just different hair colour. Other than that, everything in this film was great. Malkovich is superb, as always, in his subdued, sophisticated, decadent villain acting mode, and Julia Robert really shows her range as an actress playing this timmy, mousy little maid with a sad past. Five stars. Oh, gosh. I can't believe these people exist. Now, look, I'm, I'm not going to discount anyone's opinion, even if they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you, you managed to find, find a five-star review, but each to their own. Absolutely. Uh, look, if it's got a fan and you like it, Good for you. In fact, uh, if if you do like Mary Riley, uh, we may want to hear from you, but but more on that in a bit. So, Christian, I think we definitely need to move on from this movie. I, I want to put it behind me as quickly as possible and look to the future. Oh, definitely. Well, I, I thought, oh, okay, well, I, we, we think, thankfully we had a suggestion from Leo. So I've had one kind of on the back burner for a couple of weeks now that... Um, was actually, I don't know, this is probably cheating in a little way, because even though it's always good to be able to bring a film to the table, I actually was semi-recommended this one as well um, for our redeeming features. I um, sat down with a group of friends to watch this film about oh, about a month ago now. Um, we just randomly said, oh my God, forgotten about that film. I've always wanted to see that. I've heard great things about it. Yeah, let's let's chuck it on. It'll be a laugh. And we did so. And I think about halfway through the movie, when things started to go a bit pear-shaped, my friend said to me, um, oh, Christian, you should suggest this for the redeeming features on your podcast because, um, yeah, it's just perfect for it. And I went, okay, I think that's a great idea. So it will mean having to watch the film again (laughs) in a short period of time. But I think it couldn't be anything further from um, uh, Mary Riley than this. So... Um, and you'll be thankful, Trevor. I think it comes in as un- in under an hour and a half. Ooh, 
which is even better. So we're going to go, okay, so yeah, I'm going to put this down as a bit of a suggestion. So we're going to go back to 1989 and watch the black comedy starring Meryl Streep and Roseanne called She-Devil. Fair enough. I I have seen it, but not for a very long time. So, um, absolutely. And I think, yeah, is it a cult classic, an underappreciated black comedy, or is it just a bad movie from the late 80s? So, yeah, I, I'll put that one down as a suggestion as well. But, yeah, no, a group of friends did say, come on, guys, you can do that for the podcast. So I think I'm up for the challenge, and I have watched the film recently, and it can't be as bad as Mary Riley. <laughs> That would be quite a challenge. Very well. She, devil, it is. <laughs> Something a bit different anyway. So, yeah, I'll be interested to hear what your thoughts are, Trevor, and see if we can um, redeem this film that's, that's sort of managed to get a bit of a, um, let's suppose, sort of go unnoticed for, for all these years. So I, uh, I do believe it did play cinemas, though. But, um, yeah, I'll be interested to hear what you have to say when we, um, we look at this in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. I look forward to that. And, of course... If anybody else there wants to uh, put their uh, their two cents forward, do you have some redeeming features for She-Devil? Uh, or do you have some comments on Mary Riley? Do you think we were too harsh? Do you think we were too generous? We want to know. Uh, do you even have a suggestion for the podcast for a movie that you want to challenge us to try to redeem like we completely failed to do with Leo's challenge in this very podcast. Get in touch. It's super duper easy. You can email us to therufusproject at gmail.com. You can head to our homepage, rufusproject.com, and leave a comment below this very, very episode. Or you can head to our Twitter or Facebook page. Facebook is where Leo got in touch. Super easy to find the Rufus Project on both of those social media sites and leave us a comment there. We really would love to hear from you. Definitely, and I'm looking forward to getting some of those suggestions and some feedback from people about yeah the movies that we're hoping to watch and um, have watched. So, yeah, as always, Trevor, a lot of fun, even if the movies aren't necessarily. Absolutely. This is, uh, I suppose, the one redeeming feature of all these movies is we get to have chats like this. Yeah, exactly. So if this was a movie, I'd give it five stars. <laughs> yeah. We can always redeem the redeeming features cast. And uh, <laughs> on that very, very up note from the not-so-up movie, I think that's where we should wrap it up. So, Christian, as always, it's been great fun, and we shall talk She-Devil in a fortnight. Definitely, Trevor. And, um, yeah, so hopefully you'll either want to kill me or <laughs> be praising me for suggesting a better movie. So... I look forward to, to chatting. See you then. See ya. Boy? Oh, boy. Is it too good to be bad? So bad it's good. What's this? Do you think? Should've got bad I love dodgy creatures, but we wanna know what the redeeming features. Boy? Oh boy. Christian and Trevor on the case, watching movies from all over the place. I'm the beast, and it's bad, but we wanna know what it's fun to be at. Boy? Oh boy. Redeeming features. Oh boy.